Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Rich Wilkerson Sr., who's a speaker, pastor, author, and founder of Peacemakers. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Rich Wilkerson Sr. If you're a new guest, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you've been along for the journey, if you've tuned in to a few episodes, thanks so much for coming back. It's always a pleasure having you listen to the Guys Like Us podcast. In today's conversation, I speak with Rich Wilkerson Sr., who's a speaker, pastor, author, and founder of Peacemakers. We dig into his latest book, I Choose Honor, the key to relationships, faith, and life. Rich shares the inspiration that prompted this book and much more about some principles that he is hoping to relay through through this book. He digs into his family background and childhood Rich Wilkerson has a very large family, and many of the Wilkersons are involved in ministry right now across the country. He discusses his ministry, not only as a pastor, but also as a founder of Peacemakers, a nonprofit organization. He looks through and ties in some some biblical examples of honor, and then looks into the the current political and, and social climate right now and is, is able to weed through masterfully the dynamics and uh, put honor first and and also um, not only thinking about it from a biblical perspective uh, but also then modeling honor um, living into the experience that that he's amounted through his numerous uh, endeavors I'm really excited for this podcast today with Rich and hope that you enjoy. So without further ado, I'm going to leave that introduction uh, at that for now. And let's turn it on over to my conversation with Rich Wilkerson. Rich, thanks so much for joining me in the Guys Like Us podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Tyler. By the way, when you say Rich Wilkerson Sr., I didn't want to put that on there, but I guess they insisted because I've got a junior that's pretty well known. Yes. Uh, but I, I, I thought that, that if it's your name, it's your name, right? I mean, doesn't he have to identify himself? Anyway, that's beside the point. Yeah. I've got four sons. I'm a blessed dad. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very honored to be on the uh, on the show today. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our conversation, and um, I think I think you're right. I think uh, I don't think you, you you have to change anything. I think that goes in the uh, the one who fo- <laughs> who follows in your footsteps. They have to they have to cite their sources. Um, oh man. Um, well, first of all, it's an exciting time for you. Uh, congratulations on your latest book. I choose honor: the key to relationships, faith, and life. Um, yeah. We're, we're, man, it, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, came out in early April. Um, I mean, I'm actually talking tomorrow uh, to Yale University's Center for Climate Change because of wow. one of, of the chapters in the book. I'm just, I'm startling everybody that's responding to it. So, uh, it, yeah, we're, we're excited about the book. Wow. 
Fantastic. Um, the, the, I, I do want to talk a little bit about climate change and just the uh, and more so how you've been able to navigate the, the the political climate and social climate. But before I before I get into that, uh, would you mind sharing a, the inspiration behind this book? Really, what led to to you writing it and then uh, and doing this this book tour and launch that you've been doing? Uh, my wife and I and four sons moved to Miami 20 years ago. And um, we uh, are leading a church that was kind of in a dying situation. Uh, that's why the pastor left and said, would you take it? And I had been an evangelist for 18 years, traveled about two and a half million air miles in those 18 years all over the world. And yet we had this mission to urban America. And that's where this church was located uh, they had about 250 Haitian people left in the church, and it was just kind of in a you know debilitating situation. And we felt energized that this was the will of God for us. So my wife and I and four sons moved from the great northwest uh, Seattle-Tacoma area here to Miami, and we started working servant leadership immediately, and we developed components of the servant leadership that saw people that didn't seem to have much hope in time uh, have incredible hope and the church grew to about 4,000 people and then um, f almost four years ago my second son Rich Jr. Um, who was on staff with us uh, led a new work we launched them and funded them and supported them for a full year but they uh, moved with about a thousand of our people downtown Miami and about a million dollars in uh, tithes uh, to get the VU church started. And then my youngest son, Taylor, at the same time launched a church in his t apartment in Harlem. He was finishing up his master's at Princeton University Seminary. And he launched in his apartment, Trinity Harlem. Uh, my nephew took our church in San Diego. And my oldest son... Uh, is leading our church in Tacoma, Church for All Nations. Uh, four months ago, we launched one of our spiritual sons, an African-American named Terrence Wilson, 10 miles west of us in Broward County. And this past Easter Sunday, we had 17,000 people um, in, in attendance with all of our churches. Now, we're not so excited about numbers we're excited about people and how those people came to be i believe it had to do with the dna of our church our servant leadership dna components one of the components is honor honor is one of our seven core values of the church honor is our calling i had an editor help me three years ago when my wife and i co-authored a book dealing with servant leadership and um we had, I think, 15 different DNA components. But the man that was editing it for me said, hey, Rich, uh, forget honor. you got to use the word respect. I don't get honor. Well, if you look at honor in the dictionary, it says respect. If you look at respect, it says honor. So I get that. But for us, honor was very important. We went ahead and wrote the book. It didn't do much. But I couldn't shake this honor thing. And then I saw what's happening in our country. And about a year ago, I just said, I got to do this. And Charisma picked it up. And it's it's really, really uh, touched a chord in people's lives, Tyler. So that's 
the backdrop. I didn't mean to talk so long, but that's the backdrop to how we wrote the book, uh, I Choose Honor. No, well, thank you. Thank you very much for giving uh, such a detailed uh, just origin, genesis, um, dating back into your into your uh, family's history as well, and just how um, how these these all these ministries have evolved and developed across the country, uh, which is really incredible. Seeing this, as you mentioned, DNA of kind of this the, the inner workings that make this possible through servant leadership and holding honor as a one of those top values or principles you had mentioned uh, and I want to touch on this respect and and honor how do you differentiate uh, those two again it's my own personal feel uh, yeah. after lots of study research and personal experience I think you can respect uh, someone from a distance uh, we all do at one point or another uh, you can respect people for something they've done irregardless of whether you agree with them fully or not. I think honor is done up close and personal. Uh, I, I think honor is a lot more about interpersonal relationships and how you treat people generally and then how you treat them one-on-one. -on -one. And um, there are two um, Jesus components that I think are necessary with a life given to honor. One is humility. Secondly, it's servant leadership. When I come up to someone in a meeting, um, in, in a board meeting, uh, in a general session of some type, and I know that particular person is not really, you know, rolling with me, so to speak. Uh, when we interact, I first of all, do my best to humble myself. I let them know what an honor it is for me to know them. And I try to pick something out, uh, maybe about what I know they've done, maybe even their clothes, to say something nice about that. That kind of takes the uh, carpet and jerks it out from underneath any attitude right away. The second thing I try to do is serve them in some fashion. And when I humble myself and when I serve someone, it now makes, uh, uh, how shall I say it? It now creates an avenue to discover common ground. I don't mean common ground the way it's being used politically today. I mean something that the both of us can agree on and expand our relationship from. It's a place that we can agree upon so that when we disagree, when we move beyond that center, we disagree. We can disagree agreeably, Tyler. The, mm -hmm. the yeah. vitriol yeah. in this nation right now is there's there seems to be a lack of civility. Mm. And so that's what this book has to do a lot about as well. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. And you uh, I think that the point that you touched on is at least and I, I do see this difference as well between uh, between respect and honor and having honor be something that or seeing honor as uh, being up close with somebody or and having that a bit more of that connection that um, that isn't always available through respect. Um, how, how especially in the and I hate to to, to transition into uh, social and political and just the, the divisive places we're at now, but 
how are you able is, is this translatable this on this uh this honor code really this honor way of living uh beyond the beyond church you know the church walls yeah i think that you know all of us our biggest challenge as believers is not so much life within the four walls of Sunday meetings, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, most of us kind of have that figured out a little bit. We can, we can right. actually dress up trouble if we have to. Whatever we have to do, we get by the church Sunday deal. It's the marketplace experience that all of us serve in to some mm -hmm. capacity where the challenge is. And in, in order to have society that is moving forward, there has to be civility. And I think that's where honor comes in. And honor starts with me. It starts with my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. It starts with my relationship then with my family, with my family to followers and from followers to the outcast of society. That was Jesus' M.O. Mm -hmm. he, he had honor within the Godhead. Genesis 1.27, let us make man in our own image. Um, he took that from heaven. Uh, and in comparison, he took it to uh, the worst environment you could possibly imagine. Uh, and that's called the earth. And he became a man and he became a man as a baby and honored his parents. Uh, Luke uh, chapter two, you know, he goes with his family to the high holiday in Jerusalem and they go home and they've lost God on the way home. Can you imagine that? Mm. And so Mary freaks out. And they run back to Jerusalem. They look everywhere except the temple. And finally end up in the temple. Jesus has been there all along. She's freaking. And Jesus is somewhat mystified by that because he feels as though he's been honoring his heavenly father. But he, the Bible says in Luke 2.51, humbled himself as he went back to Nazareth. So uh, he humbles himself and obeys, I should say, is the word that's used. He becomes obedient. And through his obedience, the very next verse says he grew in stature and wisdom with both God and man. So because of the fact that he had honor within his home life, he grows in stature and wisdom with God and man. Because he grows in those two qualities, by the time he's an adult, he begins attracting disciples now, he has mass crowds that are attracted to him, but he has an inner circle of disciples mm. that he honors and loves and takes care of. But then he takes it from there to the outcast of society. Mary Magdalene, people giving up on her. She, they probably think she's a witch. He had to cast seven devils out of her before they could have much of a relationship as a team. She mm. ends up becoming one of their main funders of the discipleship crew. So what I'm saying is Jesus would find people where they are and lead them to they where they wanted to be because he honored them.
people that other mm. folks have given up on, Jesus said, hey, I see the good in them. So mm-hmm. I think that's where we need to take our lead from, the way Jesus did it. Honor starts with me. And as I begin to experience honor and operate in honor, hopefully it becomes organic from there. And it begins to spread for me to the people that I come in contact. And then it spreads from them. And it begins to spread to society. And that's why if we could pick this up individually and begin to build teams and they begin to build teams, uh, it's the rock in the middle of the lake pebble effect there. Eventually this touches the entire nation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Very, very well said. And um, I wanted to connect that. that You spoke earlier about traveling to Yale and speaking on climate change and something which um, can seem like uh, again, back to your example of we like to, I think our natural tendency is to pick and choose uh, which maybe people we speak to, which causes we support, uh, but being, uh, again, speaking to, uh, going back and speaking to all people and recognizing and recognizing the need to be able to connect with somebody who uh, might not be in this, this, this same uh, agreement with you from the, from the onset. Uh, but really just, and I think this goes back to, in general to your urban ministry is, as well of being able to connect with people from different backgrounds or maybe have a different idea of who, uh, of who you are. Um, can you speak on, um, for, for folks that are listening that want to be these individuals to catalyze this marketplace, these marketplace conversations, uh, creating honor in the marketplace, how is there like an initial barrier to get over for people that might be um, that might be hesitant to 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 go into a context like uh, you know like Yale and, and speak on climate change and how how it uh, relates to the Bible, but then also uh, for people that are that only want to speak on climate change to get them out and speak to something maybe of uh, of of the, the the family and the household um, priorities that that Jesus also embodied as well. Let me qualify, uh, Tyler. I think I somehow confused you, and that's my fault. Uh, we were on, how have you been doing? How's the book going? I said, well, I've been traveling a lot. I said that I've been doing these kinds of podcasts, two of them a, a day, just about every day. In mm. fact, tomorrow afternoon, I'll, what I meant to say was I'll have a podcast with the uh, Yale University's Center for Climate Change. They have a team that will interview me. Uh, on the phone like you and I are doing right Mm, now. So I won't be traveling there. And yet I love the state of Connecticut. I'm just saying (laughs) I won't be there tomorrow. But uh, it's it's their Center for Climate Change. Um, Let me say, first of all, that uh, many followers of Christ are most comfortable when they have figured God out and how he works in every last situation. All right? Mm. Somehow we, we come to a conclusion, these are the ways, and this is ultimately the way he will operate in every situation. I think when we decide to live that way, we put God in a box. Mm. And uh, we are such finite peanuts 
in comparison to the God that we say we serve. We serve a God that is not made with hands and a God who never had a beginning, will have no ending, and who created us. So, so he's unlimited. And if we decide that we will get our specific doctrines and beliefs together, that's safe for us. I think life just isn't as safe as our doctrines are. And, and I believe that if we'll move beyond our doctrines, I, I have a systematic theology that I follow, and most likely you do. I just don't know you that well, but you told me a little bit about your history before we started. The truth is, uh, about five times a year, God does something in my life to just explode my doctrine. I always come back to it. But I step aside from my doctrine occasionally to see where he's leading me. All right. Mm. When I was when I moved to the urban center of Miami 20 years ago, I had politics figured out. I had God figured out. I had all the questions and answers to everything. In fact, I knew who was going to heaven and hell. And usually people in their 40s who are Christians think they do. Today, uh, uh, I, I am totally, totally in the middle, can lean this way and lean that way at different stimuli. Uh, and yet I don't believe I truly leave the center and, and I try to stay firmly grounded in the center. The point is there's so much for me to know that I don't know right now. And, uh, I, I, I was invited to the senior Bush's White House in 1988. Um, we won our first grant here in Miami under the Clinton White House. Um, uh, Mr. Bush's junior sent his leaders of, of the faith-based initiative, which he really promoted after Clinton, to Miami to see what we were doing. And we became the talk of the then president. He mentioned us in speeches, Peacemakers Family Center, Miami. My wife and I, I, I did the first time, my wife and son the second time, went twice to the Obama White House, uh, met the president, talked with the president. Um, this president, uh, we were asked by Franklin Graham last week to join 250 leaders to pray for President Trump on Sunday. I don't care what I believe politically. I'm a Christian. And the Bible tells me to pray for those in authority over me. Kings, rulers, leaders, you know, you go right mm -hmm. through the list. Mm -hmm. So if someone asks me to pray, you don't have to ask me to pray for the president. I pray for any president. Okay. But somehow I've got to, to to keep spitting out the bones. Does that make sense, Tyler? It does, there, yes. There's there's bones in that chicken, but I I know there's also meat in that chicken. I can't digest the bones, but the protein will help me live. And there's mm. some good things about all of our leaders. There's some bones in all of them, and, and I try to spit that part out. And I try to ingest the part that helps me. Mm. I think if we can approach politics, uh, uh, everything in that regard, can I find the good?
Jesus always found the good. In the adulteress, he found the good. <laughs> he had to find bad in those men to discover the good in that woman. The point is we've all sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. So for, are we going to are, are we going to linger on the sin? Am I going to focus on your sin or am I going to help you move beyond your failure into victory? Mm. Mm. That's honor. Absolutely. And um I think you're you brought up a very very strong point on I think that there's a tendency or inclination to hear one thing and either fully accept it or fully reject it. Um, and I, it's so, I, I'm sure you're well aware of the, the conversations and, uh, of a lot of the, the discourse ha- happening, uh, on just, uh, on this, I think being cynical of what, of what has developed or how things have developed, uh, and, and the importance of, uh, of honor in that mix, uh, and, Having uh, wanting to to kind of go on your your own your own experience and kind of putting putting that soul uh, really uh, rather bringing that your your experience and using it as an kind of an antidote for uh, how everything everything else in the world functions. Um, but having this this humility and this this humbleness to to see the good and to see the bad. Um, but I think we we serve a, God, a hopeful God that. Uh, that I, I think I, I believe hope has the last word rather than uh, rather than doubt or, or, or punishment or this idea of just um, slashing away at, at all at all the at all the, the the bad things rather I hope that makes sense um, yeah it, cer- it certainly does I'm with you 100 percent I mean you're sa- you're saying kind of exactly what our book is talking about mm-hmm um, I, I, I just wanted to, to move into to peacemakers and the, the work that you've been doing through there in, in Miami and just the can you speak speak about this mission? I, I know some folks may, may be familiar, but uh, for those who are not, what peacemakers is all about? I know it started quite some time ago now, but is still still going strong and uh, and serving many people. Yes, um, we came to Miami 20 years ago the last June. Oh, actually, we're, we're coming up. Uh, in, in September on 21 years, but um, we got here and we wanted to build a great church in the inner city. But we were in a tough neighborhood. Uh, church had been here. The building had been here for many years. The church itself, that's people, was had, had gone down quite a bit. And they were struggling financially to make ends meet. And um, so my wife and I would drive up to the door uh, every Monday, you know, through Friday, there'd be a line of people out there for food. And uh, so initially, she and I tried to sneak in, you know, and and get past them all and and get in the door and then lock the door. Then we'd go in and, and ask God to help us build a great church, help us reach people so we could build a great church. Finally, I got convicted about those people. And so we started uh, stopping every morning at at the uh, Publix, you know, uh, and we started buying groceries with our own money. Uh, there wasn't much here, and we would come and give the food out. And then once the food was all gone, we would go in uh, the little office, lock the door, and pray for God to help us reach people and build a big church. Well, 
after two years, we were financially broke. We did not uh, receive a salary or take a salary from the little church for the first five years we were here. Well, now we were financially broke as far as being able to buy any food anymore. I said, God, what what's going on here? I mean, we're, we're trying to build a great church. We need to reach people. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day and said, Rich, I bring the people to your door. I, that usually doesn't happen anywhere else, but I, I bring the people and line them up every morning at the door so mm-hmm. you can build a great church. But you kind of placate them with food and then step over them and come in here and ask me to help you reach people. Why don't you reach the people at the door with more than food? And man, I just laid down on the carpet, you know, tired and started to cry and pray and ask God to forgive me. And that's when we started the mission to the people who were at the door. Mm-hmm. And within a month, my wife found um, an RFP, that's a request for proposal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the newspaper. And she went down, it was a, it was a RFP for a summer day camp for children, poverty kids, 4 to 14. She went down, picked up the stuff at the county office, brought it home, took her about six weeks to fill it out properly. It looked like a doctoral dissertation when she was finished. She turned it in, and on her first try, she won um, $175,000 for an eight-week day camp, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It it was an RFP she wanted from the Children's Trust here in Dade County. When that happened, there was 500 kids, uh, little kids, uh, on the asphalt of our church parking lot the first Monday, and we had them for eight weeks. That began uh, a search for government funding. We started bidding. We started winning. And that was the Peacemakers Family Center beginning now, uh, 18 years later. We've been here 20, but we started that 18 years ago. We've won over $50 million in government funding. And that funding has taken us down every poverty uh, avenue you can imagine in Dade County. And consequently, thousands of people's lives have been impacted through the ministry of our church and and thousands also have come to faith in Christ. It's been mm-hmm. an amazing run. And in fact, in another week, uh, we've got our next uh, group of young people coming in, children up to 14 years of age. We switched from just day camp to now the, uh, um, it's called Freedom School, which is across America. And that is also funded by uh, the Children's Trust. But we'll have about 300 of freedom schoolers in about a week uh, here for this time six weeks and but it'll be our 18th year in a row to do it wow. very uh very uh, cool to see that that growth and development and just this uh this continu- continuous blessing on the city uh and and the the communities that are that are being served in uh in miami-dade and uh and and the surrounding areas as well um, just to, to wrap up, I, I hope folks can have the time to, to grab a copy of your book, uh, which is now available. Um, just a, a final word of advice or encourage, encouragement for listeners, uh, and then just where, where we can find you and all the great work that you're doing. Um, yeah, 
first of all, I would just say, don't shortchange yourself. Mm. There's more honor in you than you have thought of in the past. And um, I believe that if perhaps we would all consider changing our approach, there's usually a better approach uh, to, to meeting people even than maybe some of us have tried before. And I just believe that honor is the way in the door. Service and humility opens doors that we can't kick open mm. any way, shape, or form. Mm. That honor will open that door. That's what I encourage our listeners today. And then um, the book can be gotten at any Walmart in America. You can look at IChooseHonorBook.com uh, to get the book as well. IChooseHonorBook.com. And that's how you can connect with me as well. Awesome. Uh, Pastor Rich, it's been a pleasure having you on the Guys Like Us podcast. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Tal. You're the best. God bless.